Can you hear me? Kind of. Two people can hear me. Good. Isn't that amazing? Look at all those boxes. I think this year uh, we were the only, that they had another option to pack shoeboxes online, uh, but I think we were the only pickup location on Salt Spring. So this isn't just from the church, this is also from, I think, all around Salt Spring Island, which is awesome. Good. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are such an incredible gift to the world, to us. We thank you that you're so faithful to meet us exactly where we are. In whatever situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. This morning we just turn our attention to you. We give you our praise and our thanks. I thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment and just turn your attention to him. Just in the quiet of your heart. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for who you are. We thank you that you love to meet with us and you love to speak to us. And we thank you that you're here this morning. Amen. This morning as we continue out of our, or in our Out of Darkness series, uh, going through the book of Hebrews, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 6. And what's, what I find really interesting is, is right now, there's a, a huge movement, or actually not a huge movement, but maybe you've seen in the, in the news media or you've seen um, of different people who, who at one time maybe were worship leaders or pastors, and they've said, you know what, I'm done with faith, I'm walking away from this. Um, there's actually a movement that is called the deconstruction movement. And it's the idea that... that uh, people come together, and it's, it's all about, they come together with questions, and, and it's all about deconstructing the faith that they, that they once had. And what I find really interesting about this is that this is something that is called modern and current, and yet thousands of years ago, the author of Hebrews writes about exactly this situation. And so the question I want to start off with this morning is, what do we do with questions, with hurt, with disillusionment? One of the common conclusions or one of the common solutions that we come to is, is something that, that maybe you've heard from somebody you know, maybe you've, you've thought it yourself, 
But it's this attitude of, you know, I love Jesus, but, but I don't love reading his word. Or I love Jesus, but I'm not a fan of the church. Or I love Jesus, but I, I just do things a little differently. You know, I don't, it's a personal faith. I don't need to share it. I don't need to, to live it out. You know, it's very personal and, and, and internal. You know, maybe we've, you've heard the, the statement, well, I used to go to church, but then everyone was so hypocritical. Or, I used to go to church, but then I got hurt. And all of these things lead people into what is called the deconstruction movement, which is, is essentially taking and, and breaking down their faith and saying, well, I agree with this, but I'm not going to walk this out. And, I'm... And, I, and I think there are some things about it that are actually important, like we don't just accept everything because somebody told us. Right? There's a part of making your faith your own where, where you actually are allowed to have questions. But what I found is that often this way of thinking is actually an attitude of trying to answer questions apart from Jesus. Where we have questions, we have doubts, and we've either been told, well, either drink the Kool-Aid or get out. Right? Where, where, where faith has been put forward as something, well, just believe it. And if you don't believe it, well, then you don't have faith and, and, and then too bad for you. How we've, how we've actually brought forth what the idea of faith is influences whether people actually take hold of it or whether they walk away thinking that there's another truth that they need to grab hold of. Last week we talked about Jesus being what deeper spirituality looks like. When we talk about going deeper, it's not about conspiracy theories or something about the government. That's not a deeper level of truth. The only deeper level of truth is Jesus. We've talked about how faith is actually built on the one who is faithful. I have faith because I know that Jesus is faithful to do what he says. See, when we process doubt and questions without Jesus, it doesn't actually bring us to answers. It just leaves us with a pile more questions. And it doesn't provide us a way out. And so much of this is built around us following a leader. Right? We follow a pastor or we follow a worship leader, but we don't really follow Jesus. Because if we were following Jesus, when we have questions, he would be the one we go to. See, what happens is we become disillusioned because we're following a teacher or a leader instead of following Jesus. I guarantee you, if you're following Jesus, there's no disillusionment. Because even if people hurt you, you know that it's not about them anyway. It's about Jesus. So what's the alternative?
In an age where, where reason and logic are put forth as the highest level of knowledge, what is the solution when we face something that's unknown you know, recently I've, I've been doing some di- just different research on different topics. Um, and what I find fascinating is, is I love science. And so I, I look at the scientific method, and I look at what are the studies that have been done and the, the conclusions that, the, that scientists have come to. And so often we put forth, you know, scientists or doctors as, as you know, these, the highest level of knowledge because after all, science is about is about proving what you can see in front of you, right? And yet, as I would study, I, what I would find is, is that they would do a study, one person would do a study and they would come to this result, and then somebody else would do a study and they'd come to the opposite result. And I'd be sitting there, I'm like, wait, but isn't this supposed to be measurable? Like, why, how can you do two studies and have exactly the opposite results and say that, that that's truth? And, and so what I find interesting is, is that in science, there's actually a large tolerance for the unknown. For saying, you know what, we can study this far, but, but beyond that, we actually can't know right now. But somehow, in our current culture, we've come to this idea that, that all qu- questions must be able to be answered. That we must have the answers for every question. And here's the thing. This is what I want us to get at today. The heart behind a question matters more than the answer to that question. If my kids come to me, you know, maybe I've asked them to do something or said they couldn't do something or whatever it is, there's, there's always lots of questions. But if they come to me with an attitude of like, I'm going to prove you wrong, in what you told me to do. Like, I'm going to prove to you why I don't need to clean my room, and here's 10 steps to why it's better that my room is messy. My response to them is going to be very different than if they come to me with a question from a sincere heart. Right? One is going to get them, I asked you to do it, now go do it. <laughs> and the other one is going to get them an explanation on that, on that question, an answer to that question. When it comes to questions and doubts, your attitude matters more than your answers. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 4. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. I'm reading this morning out of the Passion Translation. This is what it says. It says, It's impossible to restore an apostate. For once a person has come into God's light and tasted the gift of the heavenly realm and has received the Holy Spirit and feasted on the good word of God and has entered into the power of the age to come that is breaking in, if he abandons his faith, there is no use even trying to lead him to repentance. By their sin of apostasy, they re-crucify the Son of God and have publicly repudiated Him. That's a harsh word. We read that and we're like, wow, so where does that 
leave me or where does that leave my friend or where does that leave my family member? And I would propose this morning that, that a lot of the times when we say something, you know, that is, it, it's interesting because there's, there's certain words that we throw around, right? That we, we kind of, um, you know, whether it's, it's that we say something is, is a heresy, and there is heresy, so I'm, I'm not saying there isn't, but, but oftentimes we don't, we throw these words around, right? And we, we would throw around, you know, an apostate, and we'd say, well, that's somebody who's, who's met Jesus and then walked away. But I think what's actually described here is something much, much deeper. This is somebody who has encountered Jesus deeply, who's seen the Holy Spirit working in their lives, and who has actually, instead of following, it's not just that they have, you know, looked at it and said, well, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, but it's actually they have encountered Jesus and his faithfulness in their life. And then they said, no, I'm, I'm actually going to partner myself with my doubts and my questions instead. And to me, that's, that's actually reminiscent of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, where the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say? Did God really say that? Did he really say you can't eat from any of this? Or even touch it, or you'll die. The first sin was, was, was started because of this question of, did God really say? Can you actually trust his faithfulness? Or is there something, some ulterior motive that he has? And here's the thing, is, is, is when we have questions, when we're wrestling with faith and doubt, it can feel like that doubt or that those questions are all-consuming. That that just takes everything. When we, we try and come to God and all we can think of the, are the questions. All we can think of are the doubts. And then it leads us away from Jesus because we feel like, well, Jesus, I can't come to you because I have all these doubts. I have all these questions. So let me just deal with this first and then I'll come and I'll get to know you. But Jesus isn't afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. In fact, if you just read through the Psalms, you read through what what David actually said to God, I think half of us, most of us, would never have the boldness or the courage to say something like that. So I, I just want to read a couple excerpts from the Psalms. It says, this is David writing He says, God, you've abandoned me. You've let my enemies win. Where are you? How can you let the wicked triumph? Can't you hear my groaning? Don't you hear how I'm crying out to you? Lord, you seem so far away when evil is near. Why do you stand so far off as though you don't care? Why have you hidden yourself when I need you the most? I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured this shaking of my soul, so how much longer will my enemies have the upper hand? It's been long enough. How many of you pray like that? Awesome. I would be terrified to pray like that. Awesome. That's so good. (laughs) 
And so I, I read that, and I'm like, whoa, David, like, take a step back, man. Like, who do you think you are? And yet God calls David a man after his own heart. And so then we look at, uh, like, the story of Job. And Job questions God, but God says to him, now stand fast and I will question you. His response is completely different because it's about the heart that the questions come from. Here's the thing, is processing doubt with Jesus produces answers. But apart from him, it just creates more questions. Instead, what is Jesus' response to doubt? How does he respond to doubt? Is it what we often think where he just is ready to cast us aside because we're dealing with doubt or that we can't come to him because we have questions? I'm going to jump ahead in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, and this is what it says. It says, so in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promise. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow to the promise. Do you catch that? God wanted to end all doubt. He's not looking for you to stay in your doubt, stay in your questions. He actually wants to address those. He wants to deal with them. Turn with me quickly to John 20. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 30. This is after Jesus' resurrection and Jesus has appeared to his disciples and um, he's, so, but while he appears to the disciples, one of the disciples, Thomas, is missing. So this is what it says, starting in verse 24. It says, one of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. And still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound in his side where he was pierced. Here's the disciple saying to Thomas, these are, these are people who he's been with for the last couple years. He's walked with them every day. These are his best friends. And they're saying, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. He's like, well, that's great, but I am not going to believe it until I experience it. Then eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in the house together. And even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. And then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, Put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. And then the words spilled out of his heart, You are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts. And they will be blessed even more. Jesus went on to do so many more miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even included in this book. But all that is recorded here is so that you will fully believe that Jesus is the anointed one, 
the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you will experience eternal life by the power of his name. I I love Jesus' response to Thomas. He doesn't come to him and say, oh, you of little faith, I can't believe, you know, I showed up this many times, and how did you not believe the proof of what they said? But he shows up and he looks Thomas in the eye. And he knows his heart. He says, Thomas, come here. Come, feel. Feel this. Feel this. Come experience this. So often we take the last half of that, and we just take the section of don't give in to your doubts any longer, just believe. Right? And that's our message. Don't, don't give in to doubt, just believe. But we miss the part before that where Jesus actually comes and he says, look, feel this. Come experience this. Come see my faithfulness. And that that is what crushes our doubts. Jesus didn't say just believe out of nothing. He said, come feel this. Now don't give in to doubt. Now believe. And there's a huge difference between those two. Because one is rooted in who Jesus is, in encountering and meeting with him. Of actually knowing who he is. And then choosing that I'm going to partner myself with his faithfulness, not with my doubts and questions. God is not trying to leave you in doubt. He wants to set you free from it. Back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. It says, For men's hearts are just like the soil that drinks up the showers which often fall upon it. Some soil will yield crops as God's blessing upon the field. But if the field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it and it will be burned. Having said that, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. I want to ask you this morning, what are the rains that you are allowing to fall on your heart? See, we have a choice of what we allow into our hearts. I can allow words and and speakers and, and thoughts into my heart to take root, to fall on my heart that bring a harvest of doubt. Or I can let things, rains fall on my heart that bring a harvest of faith. The things that we surround ourselves, the voices that we listen to, the the podcasts that we listen to, the speakers we listen to, the TED Talks we listen to, the friends that we have around us, the thought life that we embrace will either seed doubt deeper or will uproot it. And so I want to encourage you this morning, pay attention to what you surround yourself with. Pay attention to what you allow into your mind and into your heart, the rains that you allow to fall on your heart. Take stock of them. Ask the question, is this leading me to doubt or is this leading me to faith? Is this letting me see the faithfulness of God? 
Or is this just people with questions bringing up more questions so that we can all stand around with our questions having more questions? Right, so often when we come to people, we love to find people who have the same questions as us because it validates our questions. Guess what? All you do is you sit around and talk about your questions and have more questions about your questions. When you come to Jesus, you find answers. When you, when you take stock of the rain that you're allowing to fall on your heart, metaphorically, the things you're surrounding yourself with, And you're making sure that, that those are pure things. Those are things that, that lead us to Jesus. That inspire us to, to take hold of his faithfulness. Then that's when we start to see the harvest. The, the, the funny thing is, just as, as an analogy, how many of you, if you're trying to figure out how to get out of debt, you'd go to somebody who's more in debt than you and ask them for advice? Or, or you're having marriage problems and you want marriage advice, so you go to the person who either has never been married or hasn't been successful with marriage. Or you, like, would you go to somebody, as a parent, would you go to somebody who's never had kids and say, hey, I want your advice on how to raise my kids? No. Right? You look at people who are successful in their field or in their, in their life in something that you want to be successful at. Those are the people you go to for advice. And yet, isn't that what we do with our questions? We sit around and we talk about our questions with people who have the same questions. Hoping that they will help us find the answer to our questions. Hebrews 6, chapter 12. Or sorry, Hebrews 6, verse 12. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Now when God made a promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater than himself, he swore an oath on his own integrity to keep the promise as sure as God exists. So he said, have no doubt, I promise to bless you over and over and give you a son and multiply you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. It is very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves, for the oath will confirm their statement and end all, end all dispute. So in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promise. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow to the promise. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what he already, has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself, 
And our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. When we come to wrestle with questions and doubts, God's faithfulness is not on trial. We have these two options. When, when we come in contact with questions or doubts, when we feel disillusioned or confused, we can either anchor ourselves to our questions and put God on trial, or we can anchor ourselves to the faithfulness of God and address our questions. And only one of those is going to bring answers. His faithfulness is not in question. So I want to encourage us, don't process questions by giving Satan a foothold. To say, did God really say that? To challenge the faithfulness of God. Don't allow the enemy to question, to to seed questions in your lives that put doubt in the faithfulness of God because you have a testimony. You have a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. So our number one defense, application point number one, number one defense is that we hide ourselves in his faithfulness. When we feel like doubts are coming, when when we're wrestling with questions, the first thing we do is we run into his heart and we hide ourselves in his faithfulness. We don't anchor ourselves to our questions and put his faithfulness on trial. We anchor ourselves in his faithfulness to put our questions on trial. Effective step one to dealing with questions is his faithfulness. We look at his faithfulness. We look at how faithful he's been over and over and over. Verse 19, we read, just read this. It says, this is where we find strength and comfort. For he empowers us to seize what we have, has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Step two, when dealing with questions and doubts, ask the questions. Don't be afraid of them because Jesus isn't afraid of them. Don't be afraid to, to bring them to Jesus, to run into his heart and say, Jesus, I have this question. I don't understand this. Why is it like this? But when you do that, check your attitude. And anchor yourself to his faithfulness when you're asking the questions. Step three is listen without an agenda. In verse 13, sorry, verse 12, it says, Follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. In other words, Listen for the answers patiently. 
Not with an attitude that's demanding and and trying to, to fit God's answer into my agenda or my understanding of who he is, but one that actually says, Jesus, here's my heart. I bring it to you in humility. Come meet with me. Whatever your answer is, I'm good with. But I just want to know you better. Make questions and doubt actually a place for you to encounter Jesus instead of running away from him. Listen openly. You're reading to discover him, not to prove your agenda. Not to prove that you're right. Anybody in here like being right? Anyone in here sure they're always right? Yeah, let's get real for a second. So often we can come to God with our questions and our doubts, and we're like, God, I need you to prove it this way, because then it would prove that I'm right. Right? And everything I believe is right, and everyone should follow me and, and, and think like I do. Listen to discover who he is. Listen to meet Jesus in that moment. And I just want to make a quick side note point. We have to start being okay with unanswered questions. See, there's things that that I've come to Jesus and I've asked him and I still don't have an answer and I've said, you know what? I'm going to put this on the shelf for right now. I still have this question, but I trust your faithfulness and I trust that you're going to deal with this when you know that I'm ready for it. Because I'm not God. I don't have everything figured out and I have a lot of mess in my life. So when I'm ready to deal with that, I know you will address that. And until then, I'm okay with it going unanswered because I know who you are. I know your faithfulness. When it comes to questions and doubts, your attitude matters more than your answers. I'm going to close here right away, but one other side note. Don't be the fool who advocates for law after you've experienced grace. Don't be the person that, that after you've met with Jesus says, no, actually, I'm good. No, actually, I'd rather partner with my questions and doubts than look at this faithfulness that he's shown over and over and over in my life. Don't do it based on impatience. Once he has met you there, don't be foolish enough to run away. Church, questions are not meant to be feared. But we do need to learn what to do with them, how to address them properly. And I want to tell you this, I have found way more answers to my questions by running to Jesus than by running away from him. I've found so many times where I've run to him and I've said, Jesus, I don't get this. This doesn't make sense. How does this fit with your nature? I know your nature and I choose to believe that, but how does this instance fit with that? 
And he's answered me over and over and over again. I've found way more answers to my questions by running to Jesus than by running away from him. By all means, have questions. Ask, seek, search. But do it with the right heart and the right attitude. Have an attitude that is appropriate to receive answers, not one that is skeptical trying to put God on trial. After all, he is God and he has no obligation to stand trial before you. Seek him with a heart that's open to discovering Jesus. And I guarantee you, he is better than you could imagine. And his answers are far, far more satisfying. Let's pray. Jesus, I just declare that you're good. We stand on your faithfulness this morning. This morning, church, if just with everyone's eyes closed, if 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 you feel like you've been struggling with doubt and questions where you've allowed them to have a higher place in your life than Jesus' answers. I want, that, I want to see that end in your life today. I want to invite you to stand and I want to pray over you because Jesus wants to meet you in that place. If that's you, have your eyes closed, don't be afraid to stand. If you've been wrestling with questions on who God is, on his faithfulness. On his love for you. I'm going to pray over you anyway. Jesus, I thank you for each person here. I thank you that you will meet with them over and over and over. That it's your heart to destroy doubt. And I pray that we would be a people who are anchored to your faithfulness. that we would look and we'd say, you have such an amazing track record, we can trust you. That we would anchor ourselves, Jesus, to you and not to anyone else. That we would run into your heart and hide ourselves in your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. We'll have prayer teams up at the front if you'd like prayer.